0: Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It's September 19th, 2018. And of course, Washington is consumed with the will it happen, will it not happen a hearing on Monday with Brett Kavanaugh and his accuser. And the reporter who has really been at the center of this for the last several days joins, joins us, uh, John McCormick from The Weekly Standard. Uh, th- thanks for th- thanks for taking some time to talk about this. Yeah, good to be here. Okay, so, uh, John, I want to talk to you about uh, you broke the story over the weekend about uh, Mark Judge uh, saying that uh, this this did not happen. Um, But let's just start with the with with the meta question at the moment, which is, is there going to be a hearing on Monday? Will we we hear from Brett Kavanaugh? Will we hear from his accuser? Um, Will the Senate Republicans uh, go ahead uh, if, in fact, uh, she declines to show up?
1: Uh, So it's just a guess right now. But my guess is that she will show up on Monday and that, uh, you know, the original statement from her lawyer was she's willing to testify. She's willing to do whatever it takes to get her story out there. Uh, That was on Monday when Republicans were talking about this idea that, well, maybe we'll just do some phone calls with staff of both parties and take down what they have to say, and then we'll distribute that. And Democrats were outraged. They were saying, no, we must have public hearings and several Republicans, uh, both on the Judiciary Committee and those that weren't, said, no, we're going to have a public hearing. Anyone who steps forward on the record uh, accusing someone of assault, even from high school and 36 years ago, they have the right to be heard, at the very least. Um, And, uh, you know, Jeff Flake said he would have voted no if this didn't happen. And now, basically, all the Republicans from Jeff Flake to Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, seem to be saying that if she does, if, if Christine forward, the accuser, does not show up on Monday, that they're ready to push forward.
0: The uh, Yeah, the reality check is that that her decision not to show up uh, basically, you know, guarantees that Kavanaugh is going to be confirmed. Um, Republicans seem to, it, it is quite remarkable, the Republicans really do seem uh, to have uh, closed ranks on this particular issue.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I think that they all agree that, you know, Democrats sat on this issue. There, there was an anonymous process for this to have been vetted, you know, when this was when they were first alerted about this back in July. Uh, the Democratic staff and senators declined to do that. They kept it to themselves. They then, someone on the Democratic side, leaked it to the press, and it was, the the woman's name was still anonymous when Dianne Feinstein then, at the last mm-hmm. minute, decides to release this public statement, which set off this frenzy, which set off the New Yorker article, and then everything subsequent to that, where finally the Washington Post article, where uh, the accuser goes on the record, allows her name to be used. And uh, here we are today on Wednesday, a week a week from mm-hmm. the original leak to the press uh, in, the, in The Intercept, a left-wing website, um, about the existence of this anonymous accusation in a letter.
0: Well, uh, Christine uh, Blasey Ford has not uh, said that she will not testify, and I think you're you're exactly right there. Some some of the coverage implies that she said that unless there's an FBI investigation, she won't show up. That's really not uh, not the case. She did not explicitly say she will not come to next uh, Monday's uh, hearing if there's no FBI probe. Yeah, I guess I guess it might be
1: expectation setting by the lawyers. You know, saying, Mm -hmm. "Oh, this this is outrageous. You can't expect her to possibly." Uh, you know, testify one week after she went public, this is awful. And then when she shows up, it will just seem that much more dramatic and, uh, and brave, uh,
0: and, and, of course, you could begin by, you know, criticizing the, the, the process and the lack of an FBI in, investigation. So let's talk about that second element. Um, some debate about whether or not the FBI can or should reopen its in, investigation. Uh, what's your take on this? I'm, you know, looking on social media, there are people saying, look, it's very clear that the FBI can can reopen the background investigation. Uh, they, they investigated Anita Hill's allegations against Clarence Thomas. Other people saying, well, no, because it's not a federal charge. Where do you come down, John?
1: Yeah, I haven't looked in that one closely, but I would say that people are rightly pointing out that Anita Hill was a federal employee. Um, this was a federal issue, whereas this allegation is, uh, you know, it would fall under state jurisdiction. And furthermore, I don't know what the statute of limitations is, so could the could the local police department even look into this? And furthermore, uh, the accuser can't identify. A, a, a specific date or a or a house so it's hard to imagine you know any sort of police action here uh, the question is really that you know the senators they don't know <clears throat> given given the lack of details given the lack of corroboration there isn't really much more to go by, I don't think, than the than the testimony of the people involved and you know the alleged, the the four alleged people who are at this party so far, and we've heard from three of them now on the record. Uh, you know, Kavanaugh has denied, according to Orrin Hatch, Senator Orrin Hatch, and I'm not sure if this is entirely true. He says that Kavanaugh has denied being. At a party like the one the accuser described, and I don't know how mm-hmm. you can do that. How can you categorically say you were never at a party with four people and one uh, one girl that wasn't far from this particular country club in Montgomery County in the summer of 1982? I don't know. Maybe I mean maybe they have some bombshell to drop and and prove that, which would be pretty striking. I just can't imagine what sort of uh, how how you could
0: prove that. What would, what would that bombshell be
1: I have no idea honestly I have no idea I mean he's he's categorical in, in saying that he this never happened he was never there and they and they're raising the possibility that maybe maybe this was mistaken identity and maybe uh, maybe this did happen and it wasn't Brett Kavanaugh who was there you know this this the first time that the accuser Christine Ford mentioned this according to Ford herself was in 2012 therapy session where Uh, According to her husband, uh, according to the therapist, the therapist has notes, four attackers. Christine Ford says that, no, that's a mistake. There were two attackers and two other boys at the party. Um, This all occurred in – so that was 1982 when the alleged incident occurred. She first speaks about it in 2012. And according to her husband, she mentioned Kavanaugh by name, so that he might be a Supreme Court nominee. And in fact, the final sentence of a New Yorker profile in 2012 – and by Jeffrey Tubin about Brett Kavanaugh says if a republican any republican is elected president Brett mm-hmm. Kavanaugh will be his likely first supreme court nominee so maybe you know there's the idea of mistaken mistaken identity memory Fa- faulty memory if you're reading about someone and you're trying to recall an incident from 30 years ago um, that's one possibility you know there are other possibilities there uh, it could be completely true it could be you know fabricated we don't know
0: uh, the the mistaken identity um, argument appears to be the, the the one that's getting some traction this morning because the, then then in fact you don't have to demonize either one of them I was talking to somebody who worked in the in the Bush administration who worked with Brett Kavanaugh very very you know strong admirer of Brett Kavanaugh knows Knows the Kavanaugh family, but does not want to disbelieve this woman, and was asking, "Is there some way you can believe both of them?" And and the mistaken identity is kind of the squaring of the circle, but it may be somewhat too, too con- convenient for all of that. So let's go back to. And by the way, I enjoyed your your Venn diagram of that party and all parties. It it it, it, it strikes me that to say that he was never any party like this um, is is pretty broad. You know, particularly given some of the things we know about Georgetown Prep, including that little video where he says what happens at Georgetown Prep. But uh, I want to talk about Mark Judge because you, you've you had two stories, and I want to talk about both of those stories in the Weekly Standard. And uh, the, the, the breaking story that you had over the weekend was when you talked to Mark Judge, who is a writer who said, okay, I was the person who was specifically identified by Dr. Ford as being in the room and in some ways participating in in the alleged incident and you you talk with him and he he flatly denies so just tell me about how that story came about
1: uh, you know, I, I'd never spoken to Mark Judge before. I was able to uh, make contact with him on Friday and interview him. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, he he said, it's absolutely nuts. Uh, I'd never saw Brett act that way. And that was in response to the Ronan Farrow story saying uh, it, was, it was more vague than the specifics that were provided in the Washington Post story on Sunday saying that, um, sorry, the Ronan Farrow story said that, um, you know, Uh, That Kavanaugh, alleged Kavanaugh tried to pin a woman against a bed and tried to force himself on her and that is what he was responding to. And I also got a little bit of criticism um, from some journalists, uh, mostly liberal journalists online for asking a question, a follow up question after a judge had just categorically denied ever seeing Brett Kavanaugh commit any sort of assault or act the way described in the uh, magazine, uh, in, in the New Yorker magazine, um, and then I asked him. I was like, "Well, could there have been some other sort of incident? Can you remember any any roughhousing uh, with girls, you know, and uh, female students in a way that you know?" I said this because, well, maybe, maybe she remembered it. This way, maybe maybe that's accurate, and he was trying to downplay it. And he said, "No, I can't recall any sort of uh, roughhousing with mm-hmm. us." So that was that was an attempt to sort of make sure he wasn't offering an evasive denial. Um, so uh, that was that was basically the the extent of it.
0: Well, and and of course, this has now become a major issue because. Um, he is declining to testify before the Senate, and there are critics who say, look, um, we have a he said, she said situation, and um, we'll get to this in a little while. I mean, I, I think there's no way that we're ever going to get a definitive answer about what actually happened, but you do have someone who is described as an, as an eyewitness, and if the Senate was interested or any of the parties were interested in finding out you know, what actually happened, it seems reasonable to say that you have to hear from Mark Judge. Why do you think that he is declining to appear before the Senate to give this testimony in public?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't know for sure. I have not interviewed him since uh, Friday. Uh, he issued a statement by email just in response to the Washington Post story, but he issued a letter. Uh, yesterday, I don't have it with me, pulled up right mm-hmm. now. But he says basically, uh, you know, I I didn't I didn't want to be part of the story. The only reason I'm speaking out is because Dr. Christine Ford remembers me being there. You know, I I don't I never saw yeah. Brett act this way. I don't I have any recollection of a party like this. I think, uh, and then says he has no wish to testify. I think the reason and I didn't know about any of this at the time that I interviewed mm-hmm. him, uh, he had written a book about yeah. his alcoholism uh, earlier in life and uh, heavy, heavy, heavy. Drinking and so there's a lot let's, of let's
0: other talk, let's let's talk about that for a moment. He actually wrote this back in nineteen ninety seven, Wasted Tales of a Gen X Drink, um, where he references a character called Bart O'Kavanaugh, who passes out drunk, throws up in a car. Um a quote from a playwright runs alongside the family photo on Mark Judge's page in his high school yearbook, The Washington Post reports quote certain women should be struck regularly like gongs. Uh, the yearbook entry appears one page before the bio of Brett Kavanaugh. Both men graduated in 1983 in two memoirs, judge depicted his high school as a nest of debauchery where students attended masturbation class, lusted after girls from nearby Catholic schools and drank themselves into stupors at parties. He since renounced that lifestyle, um, but, um, my guess is that, uh, that if he appeared, uh, uh, they would be they would be uh, striking him like a gong.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I've like I said, I'd, I'd never spoken to him before Friday. I I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, Democrats want to, you know, bring up all this uh, past. And I think that, you know, it's it, it, the, the, to the extent that it's fair, you can say, you know, to what extent. Did you drink to the point where you couldn't remember what happened the night before? And so that just impeaches uh, his memory or his denial. Well, of course, you know, if this had happened, you, you couldn't say that you necessarily remembered it. Happening, um, I do think that uh, people are going way too far when they're sort of insinuating, though, with that. That you know, if you ever, if you ever got drunk in high school or college, then you therefore have no ability to defend yourself from right. uh, a false yeah. accusation of rape, and that gets to the question of, you know, what exactly could. Brett Kavanaugh produced to convince senators that he was innocent here, and I asked a couple of Democratic
0: senators that. I, and uh, I, I thought this was a fascinating story. I think you raised some really interesting questions. What are the standards of proof that you're looking for? What what at the end of the day, assuming that you simply haven't made up your mind in advance, so to talk talk about the the question you asked and the answers you got. Yeah, I was
1: just trying to you know get some sense of obviously in a in a criminal trial. Uh, you know, it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt. In civil cases, it's a it's a lower standard. And, you know, in the whole Me Too movement, I believe, at least the great thing about it, is that it's provided uh, clear and convincing evidence. You know, maybe you can't even prosecute these people and you can't prosecute them. You can't maybe even sue them for whatever reason, statute of limitations or the evidence isn't strong enough in a legal sense. Uh, but when you have Multiple women going on the record, having given contemporaneous accounts to friends and family shortly after uh, these alleged assaults occurred, you know, you stack up the circumstantial evidence upon circumstantial evidence, all the testimony, and you paint a pretty clear and convincing picture, and you don't have people necessarily strongly contradicting any of these stories. So that's what happened with, you know, I mean, Harvey Weinstein, Roy Moore, Les Moonves, you um, in here, we don't have that. We have a single accusation. Uh, we have that it wasn't told to anyone until a, a, a psychotherapy or a therapy session uh, 30 years later. At the time when the accused is a prominent figure, mentioned as a the, the number one likely Supreme Court nominee, and the accuser is aware of all this, uh, obviously reading reading the news in some degree to know that this was a fact at the time, if her husband's recollection is correct. So. My question for senators is what I, I put this directly to Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut, who's a Judiciary Committee member. I said, "If if this accusation were made against you, how would you clear your name?" And he dodged the question three or four times. You can feel free to go uh, mm-hmm. check it out on WeeklyStandard.com. Uh, but yeah, you know, he said, "Well, we need the facts." And then the day the next day, he said. You know, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination should be withdrawn. So I guess we don't even need the facts at this point. That he can just—he's you know—he's guilty. I asked uh, Tim Kaine the same question: what would, it, what would a truly innocent person do in uh, prove, clear his name in circumstances like this? And Kaine said, "Well, that's that's kind of a very hypothetical question. You know, we can hold no. hearings. Uh, so well, yeah. Th- I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. Ultimately, this is a, this is a political question. You know, there there is no legal standard. There is no constitutional standard about what how testimony from one person against another, strong denials. It's going to be ultimately – do I mean, in terms of raw power politics, you, it's who has – you know, do Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Jeff Flake and every other Republican and maybe a few red state Democrats agree and to confirm them or not – Uh, you know, they're going to make these judgments on their own standards. They're all going to have their own individual standards for how they evaluate this. And I just think it's very, very difficult. If you establish the precedent that a single accusation from high school that was told to no one for 30 years is enough to take down a judge, then that has to be good enough to take down a senator, a congressman, anybody else in public life, furthermore, anybody else at all, I think. If the standard is good enough to destroy the career and reputation of one person, I don't see why it
0: wouldn't apply to others. So, and that's why this is so fraught. This is so difficult. I mean, There's so many different I- issues here, including, you know, the you know, how long ago it was, you know, should you be held accountable for something that you did in 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 high school, but also this point that you're raising you know, have we reached a point in the Me Too era? And I'm very sympathetic to the Me Too movement because, you know, what we've learned has been really genuinely shocking. I mean, the the, the (laughs) beast-like behavior of of so many men and that they got away with it. And I certainly understand also, you know, why many women feel intimidated to coming forward. But you, I think, have framed this exactly right. What is the standard? One non-contemporaneously, corroborated allegation you cannot prove a negative so what are the standards and it is really disturbing when you see people out there basically saying well because there are other people who have committed this because white men have been getting away with this for time you know for some time we have to believe this you know no matter what. And, and there is sort of the group guilt, group identity, um, you know, or or the argument that 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 every woman must be believed, which apparently means every person who is accused must be deemed guilty, which seems to throw out almost every principle of due process, presumption of innocence that we've had in, in, in our rule of law. I mean, it is disturbing if in fact it's not true.
1: Well, and it's it's that is not taking sexual assault seriously. You are not treating the victims of sexual assault seriously if you have an unserious standard by which we are convicting people, whether in court, in college tribunals, or in the court of public opinion. You need to have some standards, and I realize that all three of those standards are probably or should be different and are different, uh, but there, there have to be some standards there, and the idea of a single accusation on the record uh, with no evidence, no contemporaneous accounts. As Ruth Marcus said in a, in a column that went up the day before uh, this uh, uh, Christine Ford stepped forward and put her name to this. She said, "You know what we've learned from the Me Too movement is that there is almost always a pattern where you know no one no one commits sexual assault just once or almost no one. You know it's it's very rare that in all these cases there is a pattern." And so, so far, we haven't been able to establish that pattern. And I know there's a letter, email circulating right now, actually asking other women who went to high school in the area at the same time, did you ever see Brett Kavanaugh act this way? This is a letter sent out by a friend um, of uh, Ford's lawyer, Deborah Katz. So uh, they seem to be even acknowledging that, you know, if the letter says, assuming that the allegation is true, there are good odds that there are other people with similar stories. So they're basically conceding, um, you know, people... People who are allies, at least, um, of, of uh, the accuser, that there should be other cases out there, and we don't have anybody else right now, as of Wednesday at you know 10:30 a.m., uh, who's gone on the record with any sort of allegation like this about Havanaugh. You have many, many people who tell the exact opposite story. You have his high school yeah. girlfriend saying he was never like that, perfect gentleman. College girlfriend saying the same thing. 65 women who knew him in some manner in high school signing a letter in his defense so when people mock that and i and i understand when you know people mock that defense against roy moore well of course oh, here are all the women he didn't mm-hmm. you know try to prey upon or, or creepily date or allegedly assault uh you know but in high school things do kind of i mean what what would in a single accusation how would you try to exonerate yourself you know in character i, 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 I don't are, know i mean are, that's
0: that's what's what uh, that's what's so mind you know it's hard to get your your head around where we're going to go on all of this and, and what 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 situation you're at but, but your point here and i want to go back to this is the pattern of the other the, the other meet me too allegations and the reporting and i'm thinking back on the reporting on Roy Moore the reporting on uh, Harvey Weinstein and What's very clear is that is that the reporters who have delved into this have been very, very careful to have a standard. And that standard has always been, do you have some sort of corroboration? Is there a pattern there? There is no other allegation that we have that is quite this this thin, which is not to say that it's not true. So let's go back to Diane Feinstein, who I think is being legitimately uh, questioned and criticized for her handling of this. She had this for some time. It, you know um, – is it possible that that she had that reaction? That that if you're not willing to come forward, and it's a single um, allegation like this then then it probably is not appropriate So give me your, your take on on her handling of this which of course is central now to the controversy
1: Well what we know um, according to the New Yorker assuming this is correct that you know someone close to Diane Feinstein said that she thought um, an allegation this allegation didn't merit public discussion whether it was because it was too old or I don't know that she wouldn't step forward that's not entirely clear We know that she had this since July so did representative Eshoo, um of California earlier The Washington Post I got a tip about it in early July. And the question is, who exactly leaked this? Uh, So the intercept, as I think I already mentioned, got a leak. We don't know from whom, uh, whether it was from – it was obviously – it had to have been a Democratic staffer, I would imagine, or a Democratic senator or congresswoman uh, or one staff member. So whether it was a Feinstein plan all along or Feinstein legitimately thought there's not enough reason to bring this up, uh, and she had her hand forced – for political reasons in that intercept article criticizing her for keeping it quiet then the next day she released that letter publicly but at the time the, the the woman's name was still anonymous so if if feinstein didn't want to out her uh she could have kept that fact anonymous in the in the first place so i don't know i mean it does all have the sort of feel that this was sort of there's, I think you have to really ask, was this all part of some sort of political theater, you know, in a way that, you know, there was the hashtag release the memo for house Republicans back in early Mm -hmm, February when mm -hmm. this was all planned to release this memo. They just wanted to sort of gin up this, you know, this momentum for doing it before they did it. And, you know, was this leak all part of a plan or was, uh, Dianne Feinstein legitimately forced, um, into releasing this for political reasons. She had her hand forced by some rogue staffer or senator who found out about the last moment. I don't know. Um, that's something we're
0: looking into right now. Let's talk about the political dynamics right now and the political risks. You know, the the we are how many days? Fewer than fifty days now. How, how many days? Seven weeks the, the is what mid- I saw. Seven weeks. Yeah. Yes, seven weeks. Forty-nine to the, days. The, 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 the midterm elections. The 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 risk and reward f- formula is is pretty dramatic for both parties right now. If in fact the Republicans play hardball with this and go ahead, let's say that she doesn't show up and they do confirm him anyway. Um, we don't know at this point how that plays out. You know, this is like a chess match where, you know, you, you, you may win one news cycle, but who knows what the blowback is going to be. So at this point, who is more nervous about this, the Democrats or the Republicans? I mean, Republicans seem to have convinced themselves that politically they must go ahead and must confirm Brett Kavanaugh. Um, but how nervous are they? about pushing this through and the, po- the potential blowback in the next seven weeks?
1: Well, I don't know. I haven't seen any real polls. I mean, I saw Nate uh, Nate Cohn, I believe, that was just it was a small sample in one house district. Last night, But uh, Brett, support for Brett Kavanaugh was significantly higher. It was like 47, 42 support, whereas Donald Trump was, you know, 41 support, 50-something oppose. So that was interesting. I mean, it's just one tiny little data point uh, if we're just talking about the politics of this all. I don't know. Obviously, a lot in the press, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you can't imagine having 11 white men questioning her. And in fact, that probably, it would be better to have counsel for the Democrats and counsel for the Republicans to ask these questions and avoid all the senatorial grandstanding. Uh, Susan Collins suggested that Ford's lawyer question Kavanaugh and Kavanaugh's lawyer question Ford. Uh, another lawyer on Twitter by the name of Gabriel Mallore said that would be a crazy idea that the council should do it. I don't. I'm not an expert on how these things should proceed, mm-hmm. but I would think keeping, you know. Uh, uh, us from another Spartacus moment uh, would be helpful. As would you know, as much as the, the First Amendment is great and the right to protest, but we really don't need uh, shrieking code pink protesters to add no. to the circus here. Uh, let them let them protest outside the room. Let them scream. Uh, but this is serious. This is this is an allegation of sexual assault. Let's have both parties uh, be able to speak without people screaming in the
0: background Yeah, and this will be played out on television uh, you know it's we, we don't know for sure it, in the, in the uh, reality television i'm trying to imagine you know the mm-hmm. you know as you point out there are all those polls which i found very very interesting and that people i think people do have a sense of fairness and they want both of them to be treated fairly um, I tweeted this out the other day that it's important that that everyone be treated fairly. And, of course, we get these social justice warriors who push back and go, no, you know, fairness is bullshit. We can't have fairness. We need to, uh, you know, strike against oppression. Well, no, no. fair. I do think that the majority of people in this country want this to be treated fairly, but. What you can't calculate is is what the reaction will be after they are on television. I assume that Brett Kavanaugh is going to uh, we'll, we'll be denying this forcefully. There's a lot of reports that he's going through murder boards preparing for all of this. We have no idea how she's going to present herself. But if, in fact, um, she does present herself in a compelling way, that will have a political effect or – If they go ahead with this nomination and the vote and we don't hear from her before that, we are going to hear from her at some point. She will be on in some televised forum. And so that's the big unknown, the known unknown here. What what will the fallout be when Americans put a face and a name and they hear those stories? Because wherever she is, when she describes the incident that appears in in the Washington Post in print when she says those things, it's going to have a, a bigger impact. So, again, we come back to this this horrible moment in our politics. I don't know with you. I mean, I, I just think this is one of those tragic moments. This is so bad for the two individuals involved. It's bad for the court. It's bad for the Senate. It's bad for our political culture, because we will never definitively know what the truth is. And you just sense the sense that there is this ideological tribalism, which we have seen so often intensifying that, that, that if you are on the left, you must believe her. If you are on the right, you must not believe her. You, you must believe Kavanaugh. And unfortunately, as you, you know, where does, but here's the thing, here's the thing. I mean, but, but, but plenty of us,
1: I mean, plenty of us who are, you know, reporting on the Roy Moore case, isn't like this, you know, I mean, Republicans losing a Senate seat, uh, you know, made it much more difficult to confirm Supreme Court nominees and to do things like, you know, defund Planned Parenthood. But cons- a lot of conservatives, I would also say they tended to be never Trump conservatives or, you know, Trump skeptics, uh, as they are often referred to, uh, you know, were, were, were to have a different opinion. I mean, people like Guy Benson, you know, he, he was writing the other day about how he looked the evidence. David French, uh, mm-hmm. you know, talked about how i take these on a case by case basis david french had an excellent article in national review by the way excellent uh, i agree should, should read that um, so you know it, it gets back to this question of what is the standard exactly that we're going to use is it going to be that you know two people testify and whoever seems more credible we're going to go with that um you know but in a way i mean if, if you if you could just step back and take away and look at this purely from the principle of politics or you know future supreme court jurisprudence uh you know, yeah, I think that if you could just snap your fingers and have Amy Coney Barrett replace Brett Kavanaugh and be on the court, um, it, just from that perspective, you would. But you know, people can't abide by the principle that uh, someone can have their career and reputation destroyed as a an attempted rapist. Uh, based on this kind of accusation, that there has to be some fairness there. And so I think that's where people are coming down, that this really is just a, a principle. Noah Rothman, also a commentary, had a very good uh, article on this matter.
0: No, and this is this is an important point as well, that that there's been a, obviously a huge divide between the pro-Trump and the and the never-Trump conservatives, but there's not a divide about this. Um, there are very few never-Trumpers who are anti-Brett Kavanaugh, and I do think that you are seeing, you know, them searching for, you know, what is the standard, what is fairness. But uh, you know, it, for the larger, just for the larger cultural impact of all of this, this is going to be swept away. Post televised accusation and denial. Yeah, and just, the, I mean, and you know, and, and, and so it, it, and it's very difficult to be the person who raises their hand and says, "Okay, let's look at the, let's look at the facts, let's break through." I mean, I, I will tell you that in certain circum, you know, circles of of, uh, of social media, if you raise the points you're you're making about the lack of contemporaneous uh, corroboration, or the uh, uh, as, as David French pointed out, the the contradictions in in the uh, in the therapist notes, or any of those other things, or the I mean, lack of accusers, you, you can, or a pattern, a gender crime. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but. no, it's it's uh, it's it's dispiriting. Um, but I mean, I would say if 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 there were clear evidence that were to come out, clear and convincing evidence, or you know, several clear and convincing accounts. I mean, in a way, I'd, I. would. I would have no problem reporting that truth and telling that truth and right, co- yeah. concluding that Brett Kavanaugh should should go away and or not be a Supreme Court justice or uh, maybe and then we should confirm somebody else and or conservatives and Republicans should confirm somebody else and even do it in the lame duck if necessary because this delay was brought upon by Democrats and that would be unusual to confirm someone in the lame duck but uh, that that. Irregularity would only be because of Democrats declining to bring this up in early July. And one reason they didn't bring it up, maybe, maybe, was that they didn't want to kill this nomination too early. They wanted to kill it late. They wanted to delay the the, the hearings uh, to the point where Republicans couldn't fill this seat at all until Democrats have a chance of taking back the Senate in January well, by the way, that's complete, 20- That
0: is completely plausible. Um, that doesn't <laughs> it, It's plausible on, on every level. It except that is there any evidence that anyone other than Dianne Feinstein was making decisions about how to handle this back in July? Uh, no,
1: so that would be the question. I mean, Feinstein, issue. Yeah. I mean, that's the question is, did she think it wasn't plausible or did she think it was, that this was something they were going to play at the last minute if they bring it up early in July? That kills the nomination and we want to kill it very late. We want to have an investigation that drags out past the election so they can't confirm anybody. I think that's a real question.
0: The real uh, unfortunate thing for Brett Kavanaugh, who I think is a fundamentally decent man and um – I wrote about this last week when, when Ben Wittes, uh, who, who I, I think has been, you know, friendly to the Democrats, pointed out, look, you, you can you can oppose him on ideological grounds, but he is an honorable man. Do you have to smear him as a liar? The you know, a, a lot of the, the, the buzz last week was that, you know, Brett Kavanaugh had lied under oath or had misled the Senate. Well, all of which I think are totally overblown and have now been debunked by The Washington Post uh, fact checkers. But, you know, at, we're at this moment here with no reservoir of goodwill. I mean, th- this is, this is part of, you know, that at some point you would hope that you would have some level of trust that's been in, you know, engendered. There, there, there is none because of the party hyper-partisan nature of all this. And of course, Brett Kavanaugh has the singular, um, uh, misfortune of having been nominated by by Donald Trump um who who by the way has been behaving in a in a rather remarkably subdued manner have you been noticed that that, that, that and um, he he said some things this morning that are going to be somewhat controversial but so far has really been very restrained in his comments about this um, very very um un, very untypically as restrained
1: as 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 of what i had seen as of last night yes i would say it was the most measured uh the most presidential I've seen him uh, in 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 his tenure in office
0: well the the one prediction that I feel confident making is that however bad it is right now it's going to get worse it's think, all going to get worse. So, John McCormick, uh, thank you for for joining me, and thank you for your reporting and your, your uh, very intriguing piece about when you are asked the, uh, the the senators about what uh, what standard. How do you prove a negative? What are the standards? I think that was uh, that's an important piece, and it's going to be hanging over this. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking about uh, this whole case for way longer than than we would like. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow, and we will do this all over again.